this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode, thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Uh, we have a, I, he's not a, might be a new member now, Bruce, who joined us on our trial basis. And then I, I, I maybe possibly he's joined us. I don't know what I don't know what the what the period is. Is it ten days, two weeks, uh, an hour? What's the what's, how long does he get? It's seven days. Let's just seven call days. it. Let's just call it done. He's a member. Welcome, Bruce. Um, we have you're a member in, with us. You can't get out. Sorry, you can't get out. Yeah, you're locked in. It's a it's a very hard to. Uh, it's like canceling your cable. It's going to take a couple mm-hmm. weeks. You're gonna. There's no, no email you can send. You got to call us. Yes, actually, you have to wire us via Western Union to terminate your relationship. We have to submit in writing. Right. It has to be a, a five paragraph mm-hmm. with an opening statement, three declarative statements, and then a closing paragraph. <laughs> anyway, we have a union member with us here, Jay. He's been here before. You might remember him from such episodes as... The Brian Jonestown Massacre, Give It Back. Mm-hmm. That was in 2021. And then also Le Tigre, their self-titled album. That was last year. And he's joined us for some roundtables, 91, 92, 93. Hey, if we have a 1994 roundtable, I'm guessing Jeff will be there. That might happen in, in the year 2024. Um, assuming, you know, the jet streams don't collapse and the ocean currents <laughs> whatever you know what we'll find a way we'll find a way to keep this going we even will. even in the face of the apocalypse the dig me up podcast is not going to break its streak of uh 670 something episodes without missing a beat knock on uh glass anyway welcome back to the show jeff gentis how are you hey guys it's uh it's great to be here this is um you know it's an annual highlight for me um as high as you can make it there's a level at which it would be sad in terms of like the rankings of the top moments of the year but whatever the highest is without it becoming sad that's what this is for me so <laughs> i look forward to it um I... I have future years planned out and um uh i i look forward to the agony of deciding um which disc to pick so um i want video of the agony i want to see people in turmoil their faces i want to see the 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 struggle set to some really sad like set to a slowed down radiohead song like a like, like a, a mine would be complicated avril lavigne be, there we go just the you know and it would be more of a montage right i was gonna say it has yeah. to be a montage yeah totally. oh yeah going through the the stacks pulling yeah. things out shaking your head no yeah. eh, maybe so Let's get to it. Let's talk about your pick for this year. What album are you sharing with us for this episode? Um, I wanted to talk uh, Idaho Three Sheets to the Wind. Uh, It's a 1996 release. It is, um, I was going to say, I wanted to explain where La Tigra came from, their backstory. 
And that's why we're picking Idaho. But that would be a joke that might go over some people's heads. So anyway, wanted to shift gears a little bit paired to the last two picks. Um, and just because it's a, a band that um, I liked in the moment. And um, and and picked up a lot of their catalog since. And, and uh, hoping to share and bring joy to someone else through Idaho. Excellent. Jay. Are you familiar with the band Idaho? I know you're familiar with the state. The no, I never heard of this band. Did you? Well, here's the thing. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> right. It's a very solid maybe. So back in college, uh, I went to see Hum at a venue okay. in Toledo. And this this venue had a main stage up top, and then they had a basement for smaller bands. And this is when Hum was touring You'd Prefer an Astronaut. This is before Downward is Heavenward. And I believe Idaho opened, but there's no record of this show anywhere on the internet. Huh. I'm at the point where I might email Matt Talbot from Hum and ask him, did this happen? Because I went with like uh, someone from college. Like I know I went to this show. Yeah. I have an autographed Hum CD that Matt Talbot signed the cover from that show. So I know, I am sure it happened, but there's yeah. no evidence that it happened. And the only show that I can find is they played at the main event in Toledo, but that was for the Downward is, hum, hum, Downward is Heavenward tour. Mm -hmm. And it was years later. It was after I, I wasn't friends with this person anymore. Um, and I don't know what, I don't know how this, is not doesn't exist anywhere but i'm really sure that idaho opened because it was a band that started with i that was not like hum they were like slow and we're gonna get into it but it was like a complete mismatch from a sonic perspective if you can imagine yeah. this band opening for the giant guitar riffs and and drop d tunings of hum right um but i think that's what i think it's i think it was like 95 or early 96 could have been, I don't know, maybe even late 94, but I think it was like around 95. And I, is there, I, is there a chance there is a band that I discovered within the last few years from the same era with a not incredibly different sound named Ida. They, have, Ida, a, they have a woman in the band. That right. would, you would be able, you know, that's one key distinction. No, it wasn't Ida because we've talked about Ida and it wasn't that format of a band. Okay. So, I, cause that has crossed my mind. I also researched if there was a, a band called Iowa, maybe. Mm. <laughs> I, you I, know, I, I, Idaho is uh, in Texas is sometimes confused with Ohio. If you can imagine. So you sure it was in Ohio. <laughs> I was not in Ohio seeing a band called Ohio. As you know, Jay, this if you're named after that state, you must never play that state. So like Idaho has oh, actually never played band. Idaho. Boston yeah. never actually played in Boston. I think that's mm -hmm. true. Probably not. Right. Chicago's never Cod. played Chicago. <laughs> Kansas never stepped foot in Kansas, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. No, uh, so that's my that's my only like link to this band is that I'm kind of sure, but not that I saw them live with um. So, and I didn't really remember. I just remember the name or the first letter of the name. It could have been Idlewild. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm Mother yeah. Earth. I'm Mother. Could have been. 
hi mother earth and, and, and not uh, to step on or maybe to segue into the rest of their catalog the live album is might be my least favorite of their of their various it just doesn't didn't just didn't come across well so they may not have made a great impact in that basement show that may or may not have happened to be fair i was there to see hum and anything yeah. in, in, in you know delaying that was going to make me upset because i was a pretty big <laughs> hum fanatic at that point i actually went up to the guys in hum and i talked to tim lash the guitar player so he could explain to me how to play one of his songs because oh, i didn't understand what chords he was playing uh and he told me this is after you told him that they were awesome i was like you guys are so awesome um can you tell me uh how you play <laughs> yeah that's, exa- awesome. that's basically what happened uh i i acted like a, a damn fool <laughs> i probably had a hum t-shirt on too because i was a dork like that right. like when i went to the Hall and maggie show with you guys and you said why are you wearing a Hall and maggie shirt and i said because they're playing and you're like you don't wear the shirt of the band you're going to see so i've never done that again because i was ridiculed by you now you know yeah think of think of how much humiliation we uh, spared you from well also we were the only three people in the audience at frankie's <laughs> in toledo if i remember correctly wait can i i wore my dmo shirt for this taping that is that the wrong move no oh, that's no, okay that's totally- oh, oh okay because you're you're repping the brand now bro- like as an influencer mm. that's the right move <laughs> i don't know if you know that now but you are officially an influencer we should all be wearing demo merch so that when you know when you just identify me as such a video, they know what they're watching. I'm I'm adding that to your description on our website. Uh cross-platform social media influencer, synergizing um uh, uh and and uh <laughs> yeah. There we go. Anyway, let's talk about uh, a little bit of history about this band since we didn't really know a whole lot about them. So Idaho was from Los Angeles, California. They formed in 1992. The main members um, at the start were Jeff Martin and John Barry. And they've had a number of people through there, including, I don't know how this is possible, Maya Rudolph is listed sure, in not? the credits. I mean, she was <laughs> okay. in the rentals, so why why wouldn't she be in Idaho as well? Huh. Uh, Joey Ronecker was also in this band, uh, the the um, well traveled drummer who was the drummer in REM and back as the fill in. Um, so, oh, and Melissa Oftimer, I guess. No, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. She yeah, she sang a, she sang backing vocals on a couple songs. So there have been some people through this band. Um, so I think they're still current. Do you know if they're still putting out stuff? Because they had a live album in 2017. Um, that was the volume two. They had an album out in 2015. It's actually a collection of older songs. Um, but I don't know if they're like still a thing do you know anything jeff they have a website oh wait no it they yeah they have a they have a new album coming out sometime so there you go there's the answer they're still a band yeah they've been Uh, increasingly hard to track down uh as the starting with like the lone gunman release it's been you know harder and harder to, to follow but yeah they're 
I believe you if you say they're still working. So uh, first album came out in 1993, year after year. That was on Caroline Records. It was followed by This Way Out in 1994, also on Caroline. They released a couple of EPs, the Psalms, Palms EP and the Bayonet EP, uh, 93 and 95. And then this album, Three Sheets to the Wind, came out in 1996. It was their last on Caroline. They got dropped after this because of the, it says the commercial disappointment. Um, oh, my. But it was one of the first albums to employ high-definition compatible digital. It was one of the first HD CD albums. Really? Yeah. Isn't that uh, interesting? I would not have guessed that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would. I would. I would have uh, guessed like some kind of like remaster of Steely Dan or something. <laughs> or Pink Floyd. Well, one of the first, not the first. So it's entirely yeah. possible that uh, that Steely Dan was first. Yeah, I, I think Steely Dan was already high def. That's true. That's, true. That's probably right. Uh, after this, they released um, "Alas" in 1998, "Hearts of Palm" in 2000. Levitate in 2001, The Lone Gunman in 2005. You were a dick in 2011. Oh, that's a change in tone. Yeah, that's their hardcore album. <laughs> uh, huh. And uh, as mentioned, there's some compilations, some live albums, uh, singles, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So you can you can all look that up on uh you know, the web. And in 2019, director Mark Davis began filming interviews for a documentary about the band called Traces of Glory. It was supposed to be completed in 2021. Uh, I don't know if COVID interrupted that, but in 2021, the band actually toured for the first time since 2001. The permanent members right now are Jeff Martin and Robert Franzo because, um, believe the uh i believe john barry passed away uh at one point at some point uh in the last couple years not seeing where that info is but i i remember seeing something about that um yes sorry 2016 he passed away uh comments patreon we got a few we'll get to the poll at the end of the episode but gavin said love this not sure how i was blind to it maybe as it's more what i listen to now than in 1996 either way thanks jeff g i'll be exploring their work where the album willie dylan said i'm surprised i hadn't heard this before as it's right up my alley i'm not sure what to say other than where the album and then he put a little trademark uh after that which is nice i like to see people uh, recognizing our trademark on the phrase where the album don't ever try to say it without paying us a nickel. And uh, so that's two people who had not heard this record. And uh, like Jay and I going into this as a uh, new music. So Jay, tell me one thing you liked about three sheets to the wind by Idaho. Well, first I just want to ask Jeff, you're up to nothing. You, you sure you want to, you want to call it a game now or do you want to keep going? <laughs> we should turn this into a game show. <laughs> it's Right, it's a whose line is it anyway right. type showdown. Yeah, do you want to? I'm, you can cash out prize, now or do you want to go or, for four? 
I am a gambling man. Let's keep double going. Down? Right. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, it, you know, this is an interesting record. It, it, it doesn't sound directly um, like it sounds familiar, but not. I had a hard time like pinpointing a genre or a group of bands that it sounded like it's in this space where it's, it's, it's rock, it's, you know, two guitars, some piano, drums, bass. It's got a little bit of like an indie feel to it. You hear little moments of, you know, maybe like on um, catapult, you hear a little bit, maybe like a dinosaur junior kind of riff in there, but it's all presented in this, um really soulful kind of intimate vibe like this to me this is like a it's a feeling record like it it just has a feel to it it has a an emotion or tone that just permeates it so even you know if they're doing something that's a little bit fuzzy and more guitar overdrive driven uh like catapult or pomegranate bleeding it's it's not in a done in a way where it's like push sometimes you know the point of rock and roll is to kind of push you back a little bit, get some distance, you know, uh, it's to be in your face. It's to confront you. This is done in a way that even when the band gets louder, a little bit, you know, more aggressive and they're most often not, it's most usually pretty contained or even quiet. It's still pulling you in. Like it's, it's, it's strange in that way. There's something about the way it's performed, recorded, engineered, just presented, Send it away like you feel like you're being invited into the room, uh, which I think is what makes it kind of hold together so that, you know, when they get into these more restrained, like slower, quieter moments, and then they get louder, it's not really um, like abrupt or foreign. It still feels like the same, like you're hanging out in the same room with the same people, you know, in the same band. Um, melodically, I think it, it's really strong in some parts. Pomegranate Pleading is a good example. A Sound Awake is another. Stay swirling guitars there's uh really solid melody and delivery on the um on the course part through the the line through the wires it really kind of jumps out and grabs you um i think it's glass bottom has a really interesting chord progression to it where it's almost like this climbing feel and really uh I think really strong chord choices too. It's, you don't always know where the chords are going to go. So I think those are good examples of, you know, melodically how strong this record can be. And then there's just a depth to it. I think uh, stare at the sky alive again, you know, they just do a great job of presenting these like intimate um, 
emotional kind of songs, you know, that really restrain, really pull you in, you know, really focus on the vocal, all of the little guitar um, intricacies, you know, how they're playing. I'm hearing like a lot of like maybe finger playing mixed with pick playing mixed with, you know, clean tones. Sounds like maybe even there's some acoustic guitar being played through an amp. You know, there's all these little details that kind of pull you in and create this like definitely a like emotion, you know, uh, filled room or, or presence to it. Um, so it's, I, I think an interesting record in that way. It's not straight up just, you know, rock alternative rock record. It's not emo. It's not lo-fi. It's not, you know, it's, it's not all of these other things. It's something unique in the middle that kind of it touches on a lot of that stuff, but, um, is its own, its own thing. So that's some of the stuff that I liked. Would you, would you think Tim? Well, in, in addition to what you said, I want to focus on Jeff Martin's vocals because they're really emotive without being emo is the way I would put it. Um, he's got this like Mark Eitzel kind of delivery yeah. that works so well in a hushed storytelling kind of way. Um, it's pretty much a slowcore album except for tracks two and three catapult and pomegranate mm -hmm. bleeding basically the rest of the record if you were to pair this with like low or red house painters or as i mentioned like uh mark eitzel and american music club it would fit like right in there um some of the shaggier stuff like those songs did remind me of um of elliot smith especially with the heat miser um era mm. and there's just this there's this unpolished aspect to his vocal where you can hear him, you know, kind of warble a little bit out of key here and there, but it sounds appropriate with the music. Um, and I really like some of the touches that they add. Uh, a song that you didn't mention, but that I like is Shame. It has an electric piano sort of, you know, just it's not overwhelming. It's not you're not like jazzing it up, but it's there is like a jazzy aspect to this record. I, I think he's the drummers using brushes on some of the songs and it's, it yeah. adds that extra chill slow core vibe that, you know, can work and, and then it can also not work depending on basically how well the songs come across, um, which with bands like American music club and, some of the other slow core ones that we've enjoyed, um, you know, those can work well.
if it wasn't for Jeff Martin, I don't think that I would have been as intrigued, but because his voice is at the right sort of sound for this, it kind of draws you in and it really kind of holds your attention um, with his delivery style and, and the sound of his voice. So that was what worked for me. Uh, Jeff, what about this record works for you? You get you guys captured it really well. I I also like relative to other albums in the in the catalog that um, I think it's a mixture of catapult and pomegranate bleeding, but they they're not out of place, but they add a level of variance within the tracks that most of the other albums are good versions of the slower songs on this, and I don't mean that in like a if you know in like sort of a sunvolt or um even dmx way where they write one good they figured out how to write a really good song and then they keep writing the same song over and over again there's there's layers and textures to a lot of their work especially pre-lone gunman um that's still consistent within it i think this album does the best job of showing off their varied um pushes for it and whether or not it was tied in the perhaps the impl- the implication by it being a commercial failure that it was attempting to be more commercial than their prior hits um for me works um I, I i'm just trying to think of the sound and i don't know i may have i don't think i i don't think this is a bad thing but it's something that popped into my brain this morning while you know obviously in the once you pick an album there's then the nervousness about what you're going to say about it right so there's there's two different uh tensions and, and points of agony but i kind of think this is like it made me realize these these guys have definitely listened to nick drake at some point mm-hmm. but yet i think i was trying to figure out like what the rock element is coming from the dinosaur jr is interesting i was also thinking about like pearl jam 10 as as you know some of what's going on and i mean that like not just in the um like an even flow sense but like you know a little bit of of also porch and and those kind of songs that where there's it still sounds like pearl jam it still sounds like the same band but they're just doing different versions and they're staying within it and yet they have a very um, specific sound which given the rotating cast members throughout the band is somewhat remarkable but i guess it's a testament to uh, jeff martin there's also this notion too I, I i one last thing apparently he's using a tenor guitar yeah for okay. a lot of this which i know next to nothing about and i can't figure out if that's what's a what's helping contribute to the um relative uniqueness of the sound how it doesn't sound like you know it's slow core but it's it's not like the core is not like people used to play hardcore and now slow it down it's not like a <laughs> yeah you know, like a cursive or something like that right it, it's not it, there's no roots in hardcore for me um but yeah there's more dynamics than a lo-fi so i'm trying to i don't know if the tenor guitar is or is not contributing to that i don't have a lot of experience with tenor. i know he's playing a four string tenor guitar yeah it's a tenor guitar so that's definitely going to give you a unique sound i don't know like in terms of you know uh finger placement um Mm. and i'm i'm guessing that it's if you're playing in standard tuning it's just it's 
what if it's tenor does that mean it's lower it's like yeah, an octave lower only between 21 and 23 for well 21 and 23 inches so it's a shorter is it a shorter maybe longer scale neck so there's more low that you can get huh? yeah i don't i've only seen one once uh i think uh <laughs> who is it in miranda sound that had one for like one show uh was it dan or somebody like that I, they, were, they broke out like a tenor guitar for like one show and i'll have to check i'll have to check with our friend billy about that because I, I remember seeing it and being like what in the f- hell is that thing i i think they i've always thought of them as being like somewhere between a bass and a guitar you're mm-hmm. able to like sort of hit that middle space those tones between which is interesting because the bass on this record is very quiet like i really had to crank it to even hear what the bass player was playing Mm-hmm. Or if that even is bass, I assume it is. Mm. But it doesn't sound thin, which is odd. Yeah. You know, as I started to break that down, I was like, huh, that bass is mixed really low, but like this doesn't sound like a thin record. Uh, and I'm wondering if part of that one is just good engineering, but also two is, yeah, the tenor guitar is helping fill in some of that space that a regular guitar would not. Yeah. The bass didn't pop out for me until I listened in my car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not, I mean, it sounded good when I was there and that, that mm-hmm. might just be my, you know, my imperfect, um, imperfect way. I, I, I uh, have my equalizer for my car, but the, yeah, I, I was, it's, it's solid for what's there, but maybe that's part of what he's doing is, is he's messing yeah. around supplying that low end. Jay, what doesn't work for you on the record? I think I struggled a little more with the vocal than you did. Um, hmm. Let's take a song like Alive Again. I think is a moment on the record that I that I like the idea of and I got excited about when I first heard it. So it's piano driven. Uh, it's really a cool room sound. But it also, and it's sparse, but it also provides so much space that the vocal needs to, needs to work. And I think it's just an example of when that happens, you hear, to me, I hear the limitations of the voice. And sometimes that's totally fine. I mean, there's a lot of singers I really love that don't have incredible range, but like he hits these moments where he's just on the edge or trying to push to a place that sounds really uncomfortable. And when the record gets sparse like that, um, it's just a little distracting to me. You know, it's just kind of a, I'm focusing too much on that. 
the vocals just being a little off key or not in the note or trying to find the note, like pushing to get to it. So I struggle with that. It also hits a bit of a lull. Um, you know, it comes out pretty strong. They've put the two louder songs up front, stare at the sky is in the middle of the record. It's a bit of a transition. Things get sparse. Um, still interesting song, but then it hits this stretch where it gets real slow. And I like some of the, I like how the album ends. I like glass bottom and get you back, but that stretch between really between stare at the sky and, and the, and the end of the records tracks five through 10. I mean, it's very, there, there's nothing breaking it up a whole lot other than that piano song, which I, you know, sort of just talked about in that, then that exposes the vocal limitations. So I, I struggle with that stretch of the record. Uh, that's not to say that there isn't some good material in there, but it's just uh, uh, maybe a sequencing would help it, you know, break those two louder songs up and distribute them through throughout the record maybe would help. I, I don't know. I just found myself hitting that stretch and being less compelled and sort of pulling back from the record a bit. So that uh, that's what's... I struggled with anything that worked for you, Tim. I agree with you on alive again, because I feel like his vocal suffers when it's more sparse and when the mm. production and when the not production, but when the arrangements have a little bit more going on and they're a little more lush, Yeah, that's when his vocal really works best for me. So um, while I like glass bottom, I think it's to me one of the weaker songs because it's so stripped down. Um, and I agree with you on the like pomegranate bleeding should be like track eight. Um, you should break up those two louder rock songs. back to back you're like oh okay well this is gonna be a rock album i'm like nope yeah. <laughs> that was it yeah you're done yeah uh, you could you come in thinking oh the first song's got this kind of jangly soulful thing going on it's kind of simple and sparse then you get two rockers like okay i get i get a flavor of where we're going and then really the gears just start to turn way down and it's a bit of a head scratcher as you get to the rest end of the record you're like wait what happened to the band i remember from the beginning right um, glass bottom I, i'm with you on the sparseness i think the thing that made the difference for me was just the chords are so interesting that i found like the vocal was just kind of like dropping in and not having to work as hard and so i think that's the reason why i end up i think enjoying that more than a, a sound awake yeah and and if you're gonna do a piano song like that Either you got to have a really good hook, 
Like I know yeah. this isn't a band that's driving for hook, but there's got to be something like really memorable or you've got to like, do, you know, it's got to be like a Sean Smith performance, like a yeah. really soulful yeah. vocal tour just de force kind of thing. But, yeah. Just captivated by the vocal. It kind of just sounds like he's noodling at the piano mm-hmm. rather than like actually. Yep. And I, you know, I understand with this style, the whole point is to not like belt it out, you know, Sean Smith style. Like you're not, you're not emulating Prince. Um, But it's such a stark contrast from those two rock songs. Cause you hit shame at at track four and you're like, okay, we're just going to cool it down for a minute. We should get back into the rock songs. And then they just, they're, they're, they're never there again. And in fact, not only are they not there, we're going to even deconstruct these songs even more (laughs) and just take them down to a single instrument and a vocal. Yeah. Um, So that, yeah, I agree with you. The back half just kind of, uh, it kind of peters out rather than ends as strong as the record starts. Mm -hmm. Jeff, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? I can't disagree with what you guys have said. Um, I have, uh, until, you know, preparing for this episode, I'd only listen to the first eight tracks on a regular basis. You know, it's like the stuff that I'd originally programmed into my, you know, Sody five disc changer of the tracks I liked. Um, and I, and it might be one of those things where it's like the first album you listen to for a band, at least for me, can be the one that you're the most critical of and that mm. you don't, you know, it's almost like other albums you're more willing to like, Maybe even if you don't like them as much, maybe you don't listen to as many of the, or maybe you listen to more tracks for whatever reason. Um, like that first, that first jump in was for me, it can be more critical. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of, I still am not at the point I, I'm, I'm going to spend some more time with the last two tracks, but I, I'm not sure if I've made a mistake for the last 27 years, skipping them either. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think Get You Back is a solid closer. And it has that lushness towards the end that I, I think works well. Um, it almost, at times, this almost gets into a shoegazer or dreamy mm-hmm. aspect. And it makes me wonder if they had taken those guitars from tracks two and three and maybe like just let the distortion really, you know, take over and just sort of mold and craft that distortion as a bed of sound mm. for some of these songs if it would have been you know like on glass bottom or even alive again like if you're just having those sparse instruments imagine having like a guitar amp just kind of humming and feeding back and just giving you this like dissonant noise that plays against the sort of sparse prettiness that's happening um it- they do some of that, but it's very restrained. Yeah, it's super there restrained. is a second guitar doing some atmospheric stuff, but I I could hear them just letting loose. Like, say you didn't even want, like, you only wanted two louder songs, like Catapult and Pomegranate Bleeding on the record. You can place those at different places, I think it would help. But also just on some of these other quiet, quieter songs, just have a couple moments where things get maybe off the rails a little bit, you know, to become a little bit more um, either abrasive or weird or louder or something. Right. You know? Cause you can be slow and you can be loud. Yeah. You don't have to be quiet and loud, like, <laughs> right. slow all the time. Right. Uh, loud is sometimes good. 
especially on that lat, like if you if you all of a sudden just started pounding away with heavy guitars at, with that slow tempo at the end, that would have mm-hmm. been a really like cool way to end it. But again, I'm not in the studio, you know, pushing these bands to <laughs> do what they're not doing. Yeah. Uh, so this came out in what do we say 1996 and this was on Caroline and then they were dropped by Caroline for the poor performance of this record commercially I can't imagine this record doing well commercially other than maybe being a college radio hit like if if a bunch of college radio stations started playing this and maybe they moved like I don't know 50,000 units hundred thousand units maybe they would have stayed on the label but this is a tough i mean this is not going to get on any mainstream you know clear channel station in 1996 you're not going to up against you know Macarena. radiohead and and Alanis morissette with anything on this record yeah you i think you said something about like disappointing commercial success or something i was like who yeah. who, who had those expectations and what was wrong with that person <laughs> i know uh, it had to be an A&R person that was very uh, shortly after this fired. One of the many A&R people that, you know, were in their jobs and then yeah. got, got fired because of get, a, of... get a grip, bro. Yeah. To me, this is like a legacy act. Like if you're signing this band, you're going, we believe in this guy as a songwriter. We know he's not going to sell a ton, but he's yeah. going to sell a consistent number. He's going to keep the cost of production low on these records. And you know, he'll bake his money through touring and that kind of stuff. But this is not a band you're like, hey, I hope we're going to we're going to get on the Billboard <laughs> 100 with with an Idaho track like that's just that's just silly. Um, let's get to our overall ratings on this record. We'll share the poll results from Patreon in just a moment. But let's share our rating of worthy album better ep or decent single jay where do you land i'm gonna go with the worthy album because i think it's so cohesive as a statement uh i also think it's a really strong passive listen yes yeah this is a good you know i put it on while i was working and you know kind of the rockers i enjoyed and not but then the stuff that just gets atmospheric and chills out like that worked as well too i didn't I think it sounds really, really good. I, I just like the honest approach of it. It's not overproduced. It's not underproduced. It's like just this really honest sounding record. Um, sounds good. Probably probably a little better loud. You know, the, some mm-hmm. of the quieter stuff. I think some of the dynamics of the record come across better if you if you crank it a little bit, which is counterintuitive for stuff that's this mellow. But you know. Uh, I found myself hearing things I wasn't hearing when I was listening to it softer. Um, so yeah, I'm going to wear the album. It's not, it's not without its flaws. It's not without its maybe slow patches, but I like what they're doing. And and I think it, it's also fairly, you know, it's a 45 minute record. It doesn't overstay. It's welcome. You know, I can put it on um, and it's over before I know it. You know, I don't find myself like, wow, this record's still playing. Jeez. So I'm going to go with a word of the album. Where are you at, Tim? Well, I agree with you in terms of the fidelity of this record, thanks to that HD CD uh, <laughs> you know, release. Uh, it does sound really good turned up, and it does have this great room feel. And I think that's what pushes it from an EP to an album for me, and I'm giving it a word of the album as well. I Really, there's just two songs I don't like, just like generally would go, mm-hmm. eh, you can cut those. 
Um, so I'm at eight songs, which is a you know very solid uh, uh, album there. But I 100% agree this is a great album to just sort of put on. And it doesn't demand your attention, but if you give it your attention, there's some really interesting things happening with regards to, you know, just it's slow. So the moments are fleeting, but there are some like really cool little, you know, like I mentioned the electric piano and, and those sorts of things, just these little extra sounds that kind of pop up and um, it makes it a rewarding headphone listen as well. It's a, it's, it's quite a contrast from the 2000s review we just did of um, the nation blue, where I think we were debating, does this, if we heard this for the first time in, in our life right now, like, does it fit? Does it work for us? Can we play it in the house? Like, right. And it, we were like, no, it's probably more appropriate for, you know, the, the 20 year old versions of us. Whereas this record I think is the opposite. Like it probably works better now than it would have, if I would have heard it in 96. Yeah. And you know, this, I could play this in the house and nobody would like run over and turn the, turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) Holding their ears. Like, what are you doing? Why are you punishing us? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Although maybe a 20 year old us with some quality chronic would have enjoyed this. Uh, Not that we ever had it. We'll just never know. We'll never know. (laughs) Jeff share with us. Yeah, I, um, you guys are saying saying a lot of the same things. We're on the same page. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's it's a it's an album for adults. It's not. You you, you can play it while you're working. Mm-hmm. If you have a uh, non-service job and you can work by yourself, it's not death certificate. Um, the, I, I I really, um, you know, I, I would say if you like this, my my very amateur you know, non-professional, non-AI generated recommendation would actually be listen to one of the compilations, the We Were Young and Needed the Money. I think that's got the, like the mix of not rockers, but like a little bit more up-tempo stuff compared to um, their other studio work. Their EPs too are also excellent though, you know, in the same vein. So, you know, absorb, you know, one or two at a time, if you're looking to, to grow into Idaho. Um, I got into this band, you know, and this is, it, you said an interesting point about like, how would my, you know, 1996 self reacted. I didn't have a lot of bands like this in my catalog. I mean, I was, you know, coming through with, you know, the blue album and, you know, I had grown up on REM and U2 and I was, you know, yep, never mind, same. change my music catalog, all that kind of stuff. So this is, this was, you know, it was a funny thing that hit me, but it was, you know, it's like I was into Mazzy Star too. And, you know, that, so maybe it's all of a piece. I did hear this band through a CMJ sampler. I'm curious as to what you think, you know, you guys think was the song oh. that they picked for, uh, for CMJ. I would guess, well, let's see. If it's a CMJ sampler, it's meant for radio. So I'm going to take the long songs out mm-hmm. and I'm going to say, I'm going to say Catapult. Like they went with the the oddball that doesn't really represent the record. I would go with Pomegranate Bleeding. It feels like the most like 
it's the most aggressive from a drum standpoint and closest to what I might hear on a radio station in 1996. Yeah, it was pomegranate bleeding, which, uh, but though, Tim, to your point, sounds nothing, doesn't sound like no, the rest of the album no, except no. for Catapult. You know, it's like, but yet, it, it you know, often the first song you hear is from a band, it ends up being like your favorite or like the only thing that, you know, or ends up being the best thing you heard. But like this was like this just took it a whole different direction from my relationship with this band of just being like, oh, they lured me in with something that was mm-hmm. not a bait and switch, but you know, book, you know, don't judge a book by its cover type thing. But it ended up being still quite uh quite a good album. It's like people who heard Fly by Sugar Ray and thought they were getting an entire album of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same exact same thing. <laughs> I will. There is one album I was thinking about when preparing for this, um, the Till Tuesday Voices Carry album. I have I bought that CD with like my postgraduate money. I have only listened to one track ever. I know it will only be worse than even though Amy Mann's a good songwriter. I just know that I can. I should not. I should keep that preserved and only listen to the title track. <laughs> That's good advice. Don't go deep on some bands. You're just, just going to be disappointed. Yeah, just like I've tried to go deep on Thirty Eight Special. It ain't pretty. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. really. You, you, like those those singles are really very at the top end of their capabilities. <laughs> the, the You're a pretty man. That the eleven second bridge and hang on that eleven seconds total of the two bridges and hang on loosely are like their best musical moment, and you'll never get a better music video than. Um, uh, uh so caught up in you yeah. um girl. yeah yeah <laughs> so, you know what though those are the only two 38 special songs i engaged in so maybe i knew that instinctively but i appreciate you confirming it Tim, if you um haven't done this for molly hatchet yet i would recommend not <laughs> oh really <laughs> well i mean come on really uh, by the way, I contend. Although that- I like the idea of you doing this. Okay. This would be, oh my God. It's part of your brand. Can you move on to the outlaws next? True. I mean, there's some beautiful what about harmonies. The hooters? Uh, <laughs> I, I want to go back to 38 special just for a second. Sure. The bridge in caught up in you, it goes mm-hmm. to like a quiet part and then it yeah. goes to a dent, 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 which is the song talking in your sleep by the romantics it's that same like staccato guitar uh here yeah yeah oh yeah dun 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 which came out first here i don't know i have i didn't check that but they have they are very eerily similar i'm gonna go with romantics yeah the romantics no the romantics came out second yes yes i mean 83 i feel like caught up in you is 82 it might be so did the romantics rip that off from, uh, did they say, Hey, that's a really good bridge. We should turn that into a whole song. A hundred percent. I haven't checked the recorded dates. I just know the release dates, release dates. It's definitely what happened. <laughs> they probably overlap. They're probably in different parts of the country. I don't even know where either band is from. I'm going to say 38 specials from Georgia. And I'm going to say, uh, the other band, the, uh, uh the knack. No, who is it? Who are we talking about? Romantics. The romantics. Yeah. Uh, romantics, I'm going to say, are from California. And I'm probably 100% wrong on both of those. It's probably reversed, or one of them is from Canada, and I didn't know it. 
They're from Detroit. Huh. The Romantics? Yeah. Oh, I would never have guessed that. They don't have that Detroit sound. I don't hear any I don't hear any Iggy and the Stooges in there. Huh. Uh well, maybe it's like a, uh it can't go for that slash Billy Jean like, you know, pairing in the same year where there was definitely yes. influence. Okay. Yep. Uh, if you're wondering how it shook down on our Patreon poll, 83% were the album, 17% decent single. I feel like that's appropriate. Like either you're going to really like this or you're really not going to like this. Like it's your thing or it's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the fact that there's no better EP in that at all kind of makes sense. But that's a very solid standing uh, or a very solid result, 83 to uh, 17. I like that it's also 100% and that we're not getting this crazy 101% BS that Patreon gives us every once in a while, which I, I emailed Mr. Patreon and I haven't heard back about getting that fixed. <laughs> Bob Patreon. <laughs> uh, Jeff, thank you for bringing another, another um, uh, interesting and you have no idea what you're going to go with your pick now each year you've got three very different sounds so i appreciate that you're unpredictable you're you're like a wild card we don't know where we're going to get and i like that keep it up thank you i i um it's a real um real highlight of my my uh week at least to bring joy to handfuls upon maybe even dozens of people in discovering idaho and maybe juice in there we'll see what that happens with the spotify numbers over the next month um, I, I, the people who are just listening to this, who are not Patreon members, uh, won't know what I'm talking about. If you're a Patreon member, we have video and behind Jeff is a bulletin board full with, of little pieces of paper, which I believe are all the album options that he has, uh, for picks. <laughs> and it, there's several hundred pieces of paper there. And I, I understand that completely, that it would take, you know, this sort of madness of, of writing everything down on little slips of paper and. Trying to connect strings them connecting them all. Yes. But that time I, if I ever have a question, when did I see Rilo Kylie? I can always figure it out. Thanks to my bulletin board back here. Is that so all concert Tim, tickets? Tim, you can't do that. You can't it's, figure out when you saw Idaho because you don't have that. I don't have it. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, it's not, it's so outdated now. But yeah, those are real ticket stubs. That's awesome. Of, uh, sports and concert stuff. And, you know, I've got, much of the much of the walls are dedicated to that and you know i haven't updated in like five years because everything's on your phone that's true although we went to see the barbie movie and we got real tickets oh and my daughter kept them because she was she was like the movie so much and she goes it wasn't appropriate for me but i did enjoy it it's like <laughs> <laughs> like oh that's an interesting way to put it <laughs> did i was i did I err as a parent taking you too early? Which we waited a year? Because uh, I think it was PG-13, right? Mm. Yeah. Because basically no movies come out that are PG anymore unless they're like a Pixar cartoon. Right. <laughs> it's pretty much impossible. Jeff, thanks for coming back. Yeah. And, thanks, uh, guys, as always. Being a part of the union. Um, a lot of people are part of our union and you can do so as well. You can become a part of our union by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. It's where you vote in polls like this one. It's where you see the videos from these episodes, which 
I know is like, you know, very sought after material. The Russians are trying to hack us for it. That's how sought after this video material is. <laughs> uh, it's also where our monthly uh, round take or album tournaments take place, where we have a whole bunch of records suggested through our website, digmeoutpodcast.com. And they are voted on each month for an album review. And you can do that at, as mentioned, digmeoutpodcast.com. It's also where you can sign up for the box newsletter. It's a a uh, weekly newsletter of reviews of 80s, 90s, and aughts music, uh, uh, TV shows, documentaries, books, all that, plus two reviews each week. And lastly, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave positive feedback for the show. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Oh.